This is The Widow Podcast and I am Karen Sutton, The Widow Coach. I'll be supporting you through the loss of your life partner so you can find a more positive way through your grief. I want to give you hope after loss and to know that when you are ready, you can create a meaningful life for yourself with the help of me, Karen Sutton and The Widow Podcast. And welcome back to another episode of the Widow Podcast. I am super excited and thrilled to have the lovely Orla Blackburn with us today. Orla is such a beautiful, kind-hearted soul. She is a widow, a mum, a yoga guide, and grief mentor. Um, Orla and I met, when did we meet Orla? It was about 18 months ago, maybe? Yeah, about that. I'm in a service station of all places, but yes. (laughs) (laughs) The best place. Yeah, Orla reached out to me and and said, you know, could we meet up? And, And I love it because I think... Orla really compliments what I do. I very much, you know, I work with with grief um, in, in the mind, I suppose, and helping people with their mindset and creating tools and strategies and those those shifts that help us take those steps forward. But grief isn't just a, a mental, emotional thing. It's also incredibly physical and spiritual. And um, Orla really works alongside the, the, the physical and, and the spiritual side um, and has come into my membership, my 12-month program. She is coming on my retreats and uh, we have something else very exciting, which I'm so sure will come up in, in this episode as well. But I love what Orla does. You are going to love what Orla does. And I cannot wait to have this conversation. So Orla, welcome. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you, Karen. <laughs> that was lovely. Ah, <laughs> oh, no, it's so it's so nice to have you here, and and the work you're doing is is so important. But let's start. Let's start at the beginning, I suppose. Um, a little bit about your story and how you became a widow. Okay. Um. Well, it was um Halloween, uh, twenty eighteen, and um. Not how I expected that day to go, even though I knew um, Andy, my husband, was, you know, very close to dying. Um, he had lung cancer and he had a very, very quick diagnosis from, from you know, diagnosis to death. It, it was 11 weeks. So it was all pretty shocking and, and pretty hard to come to grips with. Um, and I remember uh, the hospice staff. Um, I spoke to the doctor the day before saying, Andy looks really bad. Um, and they say, well, we think he's got about eight to 10 days. And I remember thinking, well, and this sounds awful, but this is where your brain kind of works at the time. And I, I thought, well, at least it won't be Halloween um, because, you know, our son was four. He was really looking forward to Halloween and to trick or treating for the first time. And I was like, OK, I can still do that and it will be OK but sadly, he died that morning of Halloween. He actually died two days after the the he was told that no more treatment was going to happen. It was like his whole body just deflated, and he 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 just couldn't keep going. It was too hard. Um. So yeah, and and in in that shock and response to his death, I went home and I picked my son up and I took him trick-or-treating because my body went into such dissociation. It went into 
I just couldn't comprehend it. That that was my, even though I didn't feel like I didn't, I wasn't not comprehending it. Looking back on it, um, I definitely, I kind of stepped out of reality and saw it all as a something that was happening to somebody else on TV. So yeah, that evening I took my son um, trick-or-treating, picked him up from nursery, um, took him trick-or-treating and uh, he he had no idea. I, I just, I couldn't do that to him on that particular day. Uh, I didn't want him to associate his dad dying with ghosts and ghouls and the scary masks and also it being a kind of a jokey time of the year. Um, so yeah, I somehow took him trick-or-treating and it was bizarre, but yeah. Yeah. Um, what so you that was our to journey. Do. Yeah. And he, and he did have cancer previously. So when, when our son was um, just under a year um, and he was diagnosed with cancer for the first time, um, but that was a very treatable one, a very curable one. Um, but um, I remember the oncologist saying to us at the time, uh, the fact that you've had cancer so young means there's every likelihood you're going to get it again. And that really was unhelpful, that comment. I and mean, I know he was probably preparing us, but that was like a cloud of doom yeah. um, over us for the next uh, three years, um, which is when he got cancer again. And this time it was terminal. It was too late. Doctors didn't diagnose it on time. Um, yeah. So by the time they did, it was it was just way too late. So, yeah. That must have been such a huge black cloud, actually, because it's almost like then you're just waiting, isn't it? If somebody says something like that, yeah. you're just waiting for the cancer to return and you don't know when or how and how long you're going to get. Did it impact how you lived in, in those three years? It really did. It, it, it affected us in every which way. And you know what? I don't even think we were aware of it at the time. Um, but Andy retreated. Um, he... He he was a very laid back sort of guy who kind of lived in the moment. It uh, used to drive me mad how he didn't get worked up about stuff. Um, but this this floored him that thought of I'm going to get it again. Um, but he didn't talk about it. He did not talk about it at all. So he kind of retreated into depression. I was um, I was struggling massively with parenting a young child. Um, was a toddler then working full time having a husband who was recovering um and not really able to help out an awful lot um for a while he was just so shattered from all the treatment yeah but it actually put a big big strain on our relationship massive strain um and then you know as going forward then that's something you look back on with massive guilt <laughs> but you know I you, as I keep telling my everybody else which is what I've learned that you do the best you can with what you have at the time none of us know what's going to happen in the future and we're I, I think I was pretty much in in fight flight mode um for those three years uh I think Andy was probably in freeze mode <laughs> I don't know but yeah it it really did affect how we lived as you know, maybe for other people, they would have gone and ticked off everything on the bucket list. Um, but our brains weren't there. They utterly were not there. They weren't in that space. We weren't willing to look at it. We weren't willing to 
talk about it. Uh, yeah, it was almost like the doctors, the oncologist said that the first time. And then we parked it, we, we buried it, but it was 100% there. It wasn't buried at all. We were just both living with it separately. Um, yeah. yeah, it's, it's so interesting, isn't it? You saying that because I think a lot of us go through life Ignoring things, burying things, distracting ourselves from things, thinking it means it's it's a way we don't have to deal with it. But like you say, you know, when you reflect back, even though it wasn't being dealt with or faced or talked about, it was having a huge impact on on your lives. But you're trying so hard to to sort of power on through, I suppose, and pretend it's not there. You, exactly. you kind of yeah. 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 And yeah. I think that happens in grief as well, doesn't it? You know, yeah. it's, it's, yeah. and it's really interesting. And the more I do this work, and I'm sure for you as well, when you speak to people and you hear lots of very similar situations, actually, but how differently people respond to those situations and the choices that they make and, and how they deal with it. And there is no right or wrong. And, and like you say, it's easy to reflect back, isn't it? on what we've done, what we've said, what we haven't done, what we haven't said, and have regrets, feel guilt, and wish you'd done it differently. But it's not kind, is it, to do that to ourselves? Because no, we it's didn't... pointless. It is. It is. Yeah. You know, we didn't know then what we know now. And to berate yourselves for doing what you did at a time when you didn't know any better... Um, it, it's not, and it's just thinking, you know, maybe what, what can I take from this? What can I learn from it to, to carry me forward? So obviously then Andy died, um, and you and Oren were, were left. And how did you go about finding support in those early days after Andy died? Mm. Oh, you know what? An awful lot of it was about survival. It was it was, it was very much in survival mode, and I think initially all my fear was on my job. Um, you know, Andy was gone, so uh, that source—not that Andy was a source of income—but you know what I mean. Half of our finances were gone, and I worked a very busy full-time job, um, very stressful job, full of deadlines. Um, and I was all my all my efforts went on. Will I have a job? Can I do this job? I don't want to go back to this job. I can't handle this. I don't think I, I put everything into that. Um, so as for support, um, support was hard because my family uh, don't live here. Um, they they live in Ireland. Um, and yeah, it's when you're in this position, you you want somebody there. You want somebody right there supporting you. Myself and Andy had also lived very well. Literally, the first time Andy got cancer was the day before we moved into this house. Um, and my plan had been, we'll go out, we'll knock on all the neighbors' doors, we'll say hello to everybody, we'll get, you know, we'll get to know everybody, even though that isn't in my nature at all. <laughs> but I planned to do that. But that getting that cancer diagnosis kind of knocked everything skew if it just wasn't going to happen. Um, so we went the next three years, like I said, in survival mode. So I didn't, we didn't really get to know the neighbors. Um, 
we uh, there's a lovely woman who lives next door who herself uh, was widowed a year before we moved here. Um, she's been uh, wonderful, but she was the only person who we'd really spoken to. Um, so again, when Andy died, I didn't have that neighborhood support. I didn't have the people knocking on the doors with meals or um, offering child support or any of that stuff. So uh, that was hard. Andy's own family were grieving. Uh, they were in a hard place. Um, you know, his death knocked everybody completely off their feet and everybody was grieving in their own way and uh, a lot of that way was separate uh, you know dealing with it separately and at the beginning we were trying to meet up once a week um, and go to the cinema so we would all sit in silence in the cinema but there was something comforting in that um but yeah, yeah, that's that, you know, that that absolute support was hard. There were I've got mom friends. Oh, another thing. And Orn had just started school. Um, so I didn't know any of the parents at school. And we knew I knew maybe two or three people. Um, and it was one of those moms who um, who had been uh, a mom of Orn's then best. Well, he is still best friend. Uh, at nursery they happened to end up at the same school as us and I barely knew um his parents that this woman and her husband they were an absolute godsend they were she was amazing and she herself was a yoga teacher um and uh yeah that uh, she really encouraged me then uh, when she saw how much it was helping me to 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 follow my dreams with that but yeah, she was fantastic. Um, and there were other mom friends as well that were around, but they all have their own families. Um, they all have their own children uh, just starting school as well. Um, they did what they could when they could. Um, but that, you know, sitting at home on your own um, was, yeah, was hard. And it made, it really, really made me realize I don't have, I don't have enough people in my life and up until then, I was very happy to be, um, I would almost call myself antisocial. Um, we were brought up to never socialize. We never went out. Um, so I didn't know how to do that. And my comfort zone was to not meet new people. Um, and so when Andy died, I realized I, I can't, I need people. I really, really need people. Um, and the journey I've gone through since then, I mean, the very fact that I am talking to you on a podcast and that I teach classes and that I reach out to other people is so, so beyond the person that I was before. Um, and it just shows you can, what you do with your grief, um, it can floor you or you can, you can learn from it and, and thrive and grow. Uh, yeah, I don't know if that's answered your question. <laughs> no, it has. And I think it's interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, I do speak to a lot of people that live away from their families and they don't have the support network. And, you know, maybe you know, some people don't have children, so they don't have that connection either, or the children are older and they're not able to meet people that way. Yeah. work you, you know is as well sometimes it's it's hard people don't always go back to work and it is really difficult creating that support network and sometimes the place you maybe 
think you're going to get the support from doesn't pan out in the way it should. And, and that's not being disrespectful to anyone. That's just life, right? You, you know, people are busy. People deal with grief in, in different ways and people don't understand grief. So they don't really know what's needed within that. Um, yeah. And I also think that, um, when, when you are widowed, and this is me looking over it and over it and over it, that you almost feel like, well, and, and I, I know I've noticed that this a lot. So I am generalizing completely, but it does seem to be a common theme. Um, that we almost expect the world to stop and look after us and, uh, to, to just do everything and to just yeah. get it, to just understand. Yeah. And yeah. we can't because, or they can't because. Yeah. They're not in our shoes. And I most certainly did not get it uh, yeah. until I was in this position. So I think we put a whole load of expectations on other people and they they are not being nasty. They're not being useless. They're not being whatever you might think yeah. they're being. They're yeah. just living their lives the way they always have been. And their world hasn't stopped. Um, and they still have all their stresses and everything else to deal with. So they're you know they're not going to go oh orla i'm going to f- end everything i do just to take care of you yeah yeah a, a, a lot of what i've done is to kind of try and build that community um myself to try and uh reach out to more people um to to bring more people into my life um and it started with going to the gym um and just so I never, I never went back to my job. I went from being extremely fearful about losing that job to realizing I can't, I can't, I can't live my life the way I used to be living it. Um, yeah. So I, I never went back there. Um, and I took a year. I didn't know I was taking a year, but I, I ended up taking a year to kind of sink into this new reality. Um, and from there, I suddenly had time that I had never had before, um, and my body needed to move. Um, so I started going to the gym, started, uh, you know, doing a whole variety of classes. But most of the classes I had to do had to be during school hours. So it was mainly aimed towards people who were retired. Um, but amongst all of that, there was a lot of yoga. <laughs> and that's where I, I suddenly found a place where I could breathe. A place where I could release uh, so much that I was holding in, um, and also build self belief. Um, things I didn't, and I don't necessarily mean doing crazy moves or anything, but that did help a little bit. Just seeing my my progress, um, yeah. Uh, and then you know, I, and when I started going to the gym, I had I kept my head down all the time, and I didn't make any eye contact. I don't want to talk to people. I wasn't ready for that. But bit by bit by bit over time, I was able to lift my head, start saying hello to people um, and and start getting to know people. Yeah. but it's- I love that. I think there's so much in what you've just said. Um, but I think the, the sort of overriding message um that that I'm kind of hearing is that you didn't have the support that you would have liked and 
you know, I think we're all guilty, very guilty of having high expectations of the people around us, 100%. And and that isn't always necessarily a conscious thing either. People aren't even aware that they're doing that. And it's something I talk about a lot in my program, you know, creating that awareness around what you're expecting of yourself, what you're expecting of others. But what you've done which is another thing that that I teach people is to take responsibility, is to look at the situation that you find yourself in, whatever that is, and it's different for everyone. And what a lot of us tend to do is look at our situation and then find somebody else in a in a similar place, so another widow, say, but then you might find another widow that is surrounded by friends and family and, and good support and, and sit there and go, it's not fair. Why have they got that? I haven't got it. And, and it kind of <laughs> deepens that victim mentality and you start comparing yourself to what everyone else has got and you go, it's not fair. They've got this. I haven't got it. I can't do it. I'm never going to get there. And you tell yourself all these stories and you attach all this meaning to things and it's really unhelpful, isn't it? Like we just are layering our suffering with more and more suffering. And we all do it. It's not a, a criticism or a judgment. It's just <laughs> a fact of life that that's what we do. We look at what other people have got and we go, well, I haven't got that. It's not fair. This is rubbish. Mm. Um, but you you didn't. You may have done. I'm sure there were times when you did. I have my moments. <laughs> 100%. We all do, don't we? Excuse me. <clears throat> um, but what you've done is kind of think, what can I do? This is my reality. This yeah. is my situation. So what can I do to help me create that support, to help me find a safe space where I can release my grief or I can do something that feels good for me physically, mentally, emotionally, all of that. And and you've stepped massively out of your comfort zone, like like not in terms of taking a giant leap from your comfort zone into your panic zone, but you just gently, bit by bit, like you say, you've gone to a yoga class. That was your first step. Didn't look at anyone, didn't speak to anyone. You just went. And mm. that was your big thing. That was amazing. And like you say, piece by piece, bit by bit, you're able to take one more step. And, mm. and eventually you make those connections and you start talking to people and, and your world opens up a bit and those possibilities, those opportunities within your grief, you, you know, it's not that grief always teaches you something, but you find things within your grief mm. um, that that teach you something. Um, and I think, you know, you really have taken that control in a, in a world where you probably felt hugely out of everything that you feared you know your husband dying losing your job being a solo mum living away from, from your own family and support systems and you're there and like you say and building that self-belief because you then go oh my god all my fears I'm living out my biggest fears yeah. and I'm discovering things about myself that I didn't know existed actually and, and going okay well, I think I can do hard things and I think I can find a way through this bit by bit. And and that's a wonderful thing within us, isn't it? To take that time actually to reflect on that and, and see that we can we can do so much more than we ever dreamed possible. Yeah. Yeah. And it is, you know, it is and and you know, I I, I still still do this, but it is very easy to to think. And to go, this isn't going to change. Nothing's going to ever change. Nothing's going to get better. 
But when you find yourself in that space, you've got to go look at what you're doing right now. And and it can be very hard to, to, to come out of that. But it is just taking those tiny, tiny little steps one at a time rather than thinking, OK, I'm going to be OK. Um, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And then that's going to fix everything. It, it usually is like even the idea of going to a class um, may be way too overwhelming or joining um, your group might be just, no, I can't face all those people. I can't do that. But it's whether you you, you just start small, you, um, you know. And so for me on the, on the, the classes I do on a Saturday night, I invite people to turn up and not turn on their camera, not engage, don't talk and give yourself a chance, you know, just to be in that space and to be with other people and just to connect with your body. And and yeah, there, there's one woman who I um, keep referring to and I won't say her name or anything, but her husband um, or her fiance, actually, um, he died very like literally weeks before they were about to get married. And it, she couldn't get, she literally couldn't get out of bed. Um, she could not leave her bed for weeks on end uh, or months, I think. Um, and she started doing those sessions. She never turned on her camera, never did anything. And then one day she sent me a voice message saying, I just want you to know that this has helped, this has helped me to roll out of my bed onto the floor. And that's where I, I do some movement. And then from there, she um, pushed herself massively out of her comfort zone to come to one of my little retreats. Um, she drove down the motorway for the first time, um, possibly ever. Uh, it, she could see how important it was for herself to 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 do this, and and from there, she's actually started her own business. Um, mm. The and this is all in the space of like a year. She's yeah. done incredibly, incredibly well, but. It's starting, it's starting small instead of thinking, I, I need to be okay right now. It's like, I'm just going to stop and breathe for one minute. I'm just going to step out of my discomfort or be with it, actually. Just examine it for one minute um, instead of trying to keep on batting it away and pretend it's not there. Uh, yeah. And a lot of that is within the body. You know, our brain is all over the place. And if we can bring it into the body and understand how it's feeling and why it's feeling that way and how to soften those bits instead of being constantly, ah, oh, yeah, it makes a big difference. Makes a huge difference. Little, that's such, it is little steps, isn't it? You know, and, and like you, I, I see it as well. You know, people come into my, my groups, my programs and, and you can see that they are broken. You know, I don't really like to, to use that term because I, I don't kind of think that we are, are broken, but but you feel it, don't you? And you feel that, you know, there's nothing to live for. Your life um, is never going to feel good again. Your best days are behind you. You're full of fear and anxiety and heartache. And, you know, the heaviness and the exhaustion and the overwhelm, it's so physical on somebody's mm -hmm. face, isn't it, in the way they, they, they are in their body. And like you say, just taking that one step, doing that one thing allows you to then put, take the next step. And, and, and before you know it, you know, I have 
people coming in into my programs doing that very same thing and before you know it they're, they're booking holidays on their own and like you say driving down the motorway to go to this holiday that they've booked on their own you know with it with a group or something um just doing absolutely amazing incredible things and and rebuilding from from the bottom up but it is having the courage and it does take a lot of courage and and i you know i always acknowledge this when people do it because it's incredibly brave, isn't it, to, to go into something where you don't know what to expect and you don't really yeah. know what you're doing and, and how you're going to feel in that space. But also we we go to the worst case scenario, don't we? If, if it's going to be awful or I'm going to hate it, rather than thinking, oh, my goodness, this could be the best thing I ever did and it might be the best first step, you know, I've, I've ever taken in my life. But we don't always allow ourselves to think like that. Mm. So you went off and did your yoga training because yoga was so beneficial to you in your grief yeah it 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 actually made me feel like I belonged in my body (laughs) which I didn't know I didn't belong in it before then but um there's kind of quite such a big divide in my life uh between uh before and after um Andy died and up until Andy died I was on the treadmill. I was doing the job, buying the house, doing all the stuff uh, that every single one of us do and never stopping to pause and think. And like what happens with most people, if they have a near-death experience or or something really tragic happens, it kind of gives you such a hard slap across the face. Um, and yeah, I I became a lot more conscious of 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 the way I was and, and how small I'd lived and how little I believed in myself and how how I had zero self-worth. And um, I took all of my cues from what other people projected onto me or their opinions of me rather than, you know, realizing who I am myself. And that is an ongoing journey. I don't, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know who exactly I am, but it is an ongoing journey. Mm-hmm. But it's made me, um, yoga has given me that space uh, 100% and um, to to be so much more in tune with what I feel, uh, where I feel it and and how to move it. Um, but also along with that, there's, um, you know, meditation then really helps to settle the mind. And, and, and I, I struggle with meditation. Um, I'm... I'm pretty convinced I'm one of these people who who now realize they've had ADHD all their lives. Um, um, so meditation is hard for me, which is why I say just try one minute or do a guided meditation or, you know, start small with, with things like that. Um, and that's that's what helps me. Um, and I'm much better at it now. But sometimes my brain just is very, very unsettled. And then it's breathing or it's it's going through the senses um, instead of just trying to sit in silence. There are always ways around it, but it allows allows all that those thoughts to just to settle down. And then you get into who you, you you come up with, sometimes come up with a beautiful thought. And if you just stick with that thought rather than going, yeah, but that's stupid. And but that would never work. Or just go, no, I've just had a beautiful thought. Let's just you know, enjoy that thought and stop trying to criticize it or find ways that don't make it work. Um, I think I've gone off piece there. I don't know where. We- 
it's a very good point. And I think we are all terrible at um, judging and criticizing our thoughts. You know, instead of just allowing our thoughts to do what they want to do and allowing them to come in and out and leaning into what feels good and letting go of what doesn't feel so good rather than, you know, always putting them down, aren't we? Or oh, don't be so stupid, or you could never do that, or you're not clever enough, and or that's just pie in the sky, and or, you're going to sound ridiculous if you say that out loud. And actually yeah. just kind of leaning into the thoughts that make you feel lighter, brighter, hopeful, yeah. <laughs> you know, whatever it is you're looking for. Um, and instead of finding ways for it not to work, is to go, how could I... How could I make this work? If your dream is to go and live in Bali for the rest of your life, it's like, how could I? It's like, that's stupid. <laughs> that's never yeah. going to happen. It's like, actually, what what first step, what tiny little thing could I yeah. take towards that happening? And maybe you don't end up living in Bali, but you go on holiday or, yeah. you know what I mean? Um, it's going one step at a time. Yeah, it is. And it's just following the things that make you curious, you know, like going back, you know, if you are thinking, oh, what would it be like to live in Bali? Like you might not ever do that thing, but mm. take steps towards exploring that curiosity and what that brings up in you. And, and it will take you somewhere. It will take you somewhere because it's something within you that you're being drawn towards. And it might not be where you end up. But maybe that wasn't where you were meant to end up. It was it was just, a, you know, a stepping stone towards where you do end, end up walking towards. And, and I think that's the thing, isn't it? We don't allow ourselves to to think, to daydream, to slow down, to, to just process what's going on in our minds. And meditation's a funny thing. I think we all have an idea of us all sat there cross-legged, you know, with our, our hands up, ooing and ahhing and, and clearing <laughs> our mind and having no thoughts, which, you know, I think it's been slightly misunderstood somewhere along the way um, yeah. because it's just awareness. It's awareness and it's slowing down, isn't it? Um, which we, we don't give ourselves time to do, which I think you create that space for people to do it which is just beautiful. And, you know, I know you're sort of quite active in, in widowed and young in, in way, um, but you actually have your own Facebook group, don't you? Beyond bereavement into bravery. Yeah. You offer support in there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, like you say, you, your, your retreats, you know, they're day retreats, aren't they, that you offer? Yeah. Well, I have done one, two, one, but because I have to fit everything around the fact that I have a child, and, you know, these are the limitations that happen when you are widowed and you have a, a young child um, and you don't have uh, support to take your child. Um, I I kind of need to fit what I do around my son. And I, you know, I could have thought, well, I'll never be able to do a retreat because I don't have childcare and blah, blah, blah. It's never going to happen. But it was like, how can I make this happen? How How could this actually work? And it started off with a half day retreat and they're always so far. They've always been in Birmingham, which isn't a very sexy place for a retreat, but I've always found beautiful spaces. And as always, it's not about where it is. It's about the people you're with and and what you gain from it. So, you know, that's my reality and that's how I've made it work. And I do have I've I've some fantastic plans going forward where I'm planning a, a sort of a retreat with children um for, for solo parents so for 
without parents because I know how knackering and shattering and um, never ending it is. So I've I've managed to find a place where the children will be well taken care of, doing activities, zip wiring, um, doing all sorts of stuff, and they will all be children who are who who have lost a parent. So there's that understanding between each other, and then the parents I'll be able to take them off. And they will actually be able to let go and breathe and soften and release and, and everybody gets to chat. Um, so I've, again, that's me finding a way around it. How, how can I include my son? How can other solo parents in the same position get time for themselves, but know that their children are safe and not have to worry about finding childcare and relying on other people, all that constant asking for help. It's, it's hard. It's hard when you have to keep asking. Um, so it's a way for it to happen. Um, Such a beautiful idea. And it's so needed. You know, I, I speak to to so many, you know, I've got people in my membership and my program, you know, they're, they're young mums, solo parents young children the children are you know anxious that you know they're quite clingy needy that are not great words to describe it but understandably they want to be close to their their parents because they've lost one and they have a need to to feel safe yeah um understandably but it makes it very difficult to have time out and and people have very little support people you know we don't live yeah. In in the communities that we used to live in, we often don't live near our, our families for, for that support. Um, and it's a real challenge. People are screaming out for some time for themselves, but also in an environment where they know their children are safe, they're cared for. But also the children, I was speaking to somebody the other day and they said, you know, their daughter kind of says, "What? why am I the only different one? Why am I the only one without a daddy? And I think to give yeah. the children that space where they're with other children that have lost a parent helps them feel a little less alone, a little more normal, I suppose. And there are other children in, in a similar situation. It's just, they may not even talk about it, but it's the knowing, isn't it? Yeah. It's just the knowing. They tend never to talk about it, but it's just that understanding that they're not different. They're all the same in this particular instance. And, you know, it doesn't have to be something that's found out. So my my son has uh, is has very much uh, struggled, um, very very much. So I I get that completely, and and he's got severe attachment uh, issues. Um, he's got trauma from his dad dying, just vanishing overnight, and that affected me massively. So I became a shell of a person. So it was almost like he lost both of us all at once. And now I'm trying to help him recover from that. He also has ADHD. Uh, he's got PDA. Um, there's many, many, many things going on. Um, and, you know, that makes it all the harder. Um, and I know there's many other parents in, in the same situation. But even if your child doesn't have, uh, you know, all, all the things that are going on for my son, when he's in that position where he's with all the other children and he 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 doesn't have to worry about being different, just gets on with it. Um, 
it's quite incredible to see. I've, I've been in that situation a few times now with other parents uh, and children. And initially they're all like just sizing each other up. And before you know it, they're having the best, the best time uh, together. They can just let go. Mm. Yeah. I think that's, that's lovely. Is that, so, do you have a date for that yet? Or is that just something that's in the, in the sort of pipeline? I do actually have a date, but it's not um, something that I've set up on my website yet because I'm in very much at the beginning stages of that. But it's um, October the 6th to the 8th. Um, it's in Matlock um, and, you know, everything's included, your food, uh, your accommodation. You will be sleeping in bunk beds, though, with your <laughs> in the same room as your children. Each room takes four people. Um, and yeah, at the moment... I'm trying to collate. Uh, I've had a huge interest, massive interest in it. Um, so, yeah, I'm trying to work through all of that and uh, and then get the information out to everybody. But I have I booked that date. It is happening because I've had so much web, um, interest. I haven't actually put it on my website or, or anywhere else. If there are any spaces left over, I'll put it up. Or if you are desperately um keen to join and uh, just do get in touch with me and I'll put your name down mm. um but yeah I'm sure you could probably do something like that a few times over yeah I think so it could be a regular yeah. thing and well needed by parents well needed um I would love to be able to um get people to sponsor it as well and like it's not an expensive weekend by any means but even so that can make it harder for every family um, so I would love if somehow, some way, people would sponsor this and 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 give those families who can't afford it, or maybe the people who can really afford it, paid for another family or something. I don't know, but for now, you got to pay for it. <laughs> no way around it. <laughs> I'm sure a lot would be very willing to all of because you know just having that time and space for themselves. I think. It's, yeah. it's a gift it's a gift and, and and it's so wonderful that it's something that you're able to provide people for sure I think mm. it will be incredibly popular and probably like I say something you could do over and over again your story is so inspiring it really is and you know not everybody has to do amazing things to to work through their grief um yeah you know we don't all have to to go out and 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 support other widows um but I think underneath that you've really found the essence of you and who you are and you know you've you're still on that journey and you've explored a lot and you you've created a huge awareness around yourself your son your life um, how you think, how you respond to things, what you want from life, and and you are willing to be brave and and courageous and do things that that feel uncomfortable. And like I said, that doesn't have to revolve around doing things for other widows, but just mm. leaning into what feels good to you and following your heart takes you to the place that you need to be it's it's like the the road to your healing and not that you're ever healed but it's a it's a journey it's a lifelong journey it's a healing journey and you know I think if we're going to find that we have to follow our heart we have to do what feels right for us whatever that is without sort of dismissing any ideas that we have because I'm sure if somebody said to you you know a, a year ago when we first met if I'd have said to you you know you're going to be planning this weekend you'd have been like oh no I, can't, I don't think I could yeah. do that um yeah. and yet here you are and and you're doing amazing things and and continue to so I, I love how you 
have walked your your path I think Orla it's it's just incredible you have such a a calm warm comforting way about you you know and I think to offer that to other people I know when you've come into my programs and and my groups people have just been singing your praises you, you know it's it's you know people said I've had the best night's sleep I've had in ages don't they you know after doing one of your your yogas yoga nidras and they've actually managed to sleep they've actually managed to sleep and and it's it's a place where you can you you get full permission to forget about everything else and to just know you're you're there for that amount of time what however long it happens to be you're not going anywhere else and just to allow yourself to be fully in this to let go of all the to-dos to let go of you know the constant guilt to which is so common in in grief um just to to actually be a person to be yourself to be a being <laughs> to being <laughs> to actually being um and yeah, um, and and with that, it is a guided meditation I do because I know the brain is just so busy, busy, busy. Um, but these are these are meditations that um, are used by uh, therapists um, the world over. Yoga Nidra is well known as a, a a form of therapy, actually. But all you have to do is lie down and close your eyes. <laughs> it's it's uh, really really good. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there are people who actually are uh, use them regularly now to to help them let go and and ease off at night time. Or if they wake up in the middle of the night and uh, they they grab one, it's just there on their phone and listen to it. Um, it actually gets my son to sleep. So I kind of cheat with my son quite a lot. And when I do my yoga sessions on Saturday nights and I record it. I then play that to my son at bedtime because as you can imagine with all his various um, neurodivergencies, he finds it very hard to settle. And that's the thing where I sort of press play. I, I have to stay in the room with him, but I press play. And before you know it, he's gone, he's let go and he's at ease. So I, you know, I don't know if that works particularly for my son because it's my voice, but I do recommend trying it. I know animals as well when they happen to be in the room when we're doing the sessions they all settle down and uh, it's just it's quite incredible people are always surprised like oh my god my dog is settled it's lying down um so yeah it's it, uh powerful many many benefits yeah. many 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 benefits yeah um and just allowing ourselves that time and that chance because again like i was saying with grief that there's so much guilt involved in it and so much beating yourself up and so much I don't deserve to be happy if my person is dead how can I possibly indulge in an hour of you know yoga meditation or how can I go on holiday or or whatever it happens to be um but oh god it's it's so essential to to let go of that stuff and that is the journey. That is a journey that is going to see you, Karen, and, and learning that journey. And it's it's coming to me and, and finding that peace in your body and realizing there's more to you than you ever realized. Because we do take on board everything we've that's been layered on us all, all through our lives. And there's actually a totally different person underneath that that's that yeah. that wants to be recognized and to come out um absolutely absolutely give yourself that chance yeah it is it's giving yourself the gift of your own kindness attention 
and time. And we really struggle to do that for ourselves because we we feel like we're not worthy. We feel like we've got to be doing all the time. We've got to be productive. We've got to be ticking things off our list. We can't be seen to be grieving and being and just allowing that space to, to lean into our, our own needs. And it's, it's a mindset shift of, you know, it's essential that time for your grief to, to, to work through what you're thinking, what you're feeling physically, mentally, emotionally, it's necessary. Mm. If, if, you know, if you don't, you are going to suffer the consequences. It, mm. you know, yes, you can choose to power on through and get through it, but something will give. You know, like mentally, physically, something will give and, and you'll be carrying a, a, a huge weight around for a very long time if you block yourself from that that gift of kindness, of comfort, of support, of togetherness, you know. And I, I this is what I love to do. And it's it's creating that time and space for people and making it as easy as possible um to to bring people together and and allow them that time and i think what we're doing um together we you know we're planning a lovely day aren't we on on the 24th of june it's saturday Mm -hmm. Saturday, the 24th of june and Orla and I are creating a day. It's going to be a day, 10 till 4, I think, around those times, UK time, but it's going to be recorded. So if if you're in the States um, and you might miss the first few hours or whatever, you can come and join the second and catch up on the first few. But it's a day for you. You know, June the 23rd is the Friday, isn't it? It's International Widows Day. And we thought, how lovely to bring everyone together to acknowledge ourselves our grief and and create that time and space to connect to others to give yourself permission to slow down to be um i'm going to be doing some sessions you're going to be doing some sessions you are going to leave this day feeling uplifted Mm. lighter more able to take those steps forward and you 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 (laughs) You honestly, I just think what you're going to gain from taking that time to spend with myself and Orla and other widows is going to be absolutely transformative. I truly believe that because there's so much power in bringing people together and and allowing them to to grieve, to be, to yeah. to, to slow down and you know figure out how they can take those those next steps but also nurture themselves a bit more kindly so really excited or I think that's going to be a fantastic yeah. day I, isn't it? I can't wait when you were describing it all goosebumps were going all over my body um and yeah it is it is kind of a day of um immersing yourself in an absolute self-care and love and and kindness and gentleness and getting incredible information um, from both of us on on things you can do to help you with your grief and to even if it's just finding that very first step forward or maybe you've been widowed years um and you're 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 feeling stuck but but whatever it is it's all of us connecting and and I think that's the most powerful thing is um widows and widowers all all being together and and acknowledging 
this shit show that we're in, yeah. but that it can get so much better. It, it, it can. There's a quote um, when you were describing something earlier, it made me uh, think of this quote and I've probably got it all wrong, but it's, um, you know, pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. And, you know, and, and yes, the pain of grief is and, and loss and knowing that person isn't here is, is horrible. It's, it really is. It's shocking. It's it's all those things, but there there actually is a way to to live with it, to integrate it, and to 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 move forward with your life in whatever way that is. To find a different kind of purpose or meaning. Um, and like you said, it doesn't have to be something massive. It doesn't have to be throwing away a job and becoming a yoga teacher or throwing away your job and becoming a widow coach. Doesn't it doesn't have to be that. It can just be finding those beautiful moments in the day and what makes it what makes you important and you special and yeah. yeah. And knowing I, love your that. <laughs> I, I love that. And I love that quote actually. You, you know, pain is inevitable. It is in, in life. Yeah. Um, but there's so much we can do to to nurture yeah. ourselves through that and you know, as I say, Saturday, the 24th of June, it's a virtual retreat. So, you know, wherever you are in your journey, wherever you are in the world, whatever stage, whatever age, <laughs> it yeah. doesn't matter. Um, you know, come, come yeah. along, come enjoy. It's, it's literally like 47 pounds. Um, I don't know what that converts to in US dollars, um, but we've, we've made it, you know, really low cost because we want we want everyone to come together. We want to help you um, find your way, I suppose, and and take some time. Like we all need that time. We all need that time. It's so important. Um, so I'll pop the link in yeah. the show notes. Um, and if you're if you're thinking, I've got kids, how can I do this? You've got a TV as well. Take the guilt out of that day because the more you you build yourself and you give yourself that time, the more you're able to then give to your children. Um, so, yeah, take get lots of snacks. Um, and also the very, very, very fact that it is online means you can dip in and out. You can you can tend to your children. You can decide I'm going to do this session, but not that one, because we're we're going to be doing various different things throughout the day. So you can you can even pick and choose uh, what you do, fit in making the lunch or, or whatever it is you have to do. But yeah, for for 47 pounds, yeah. it's you know, it's yeah, you're getting a lot. And, and, and yeah. the biggest thing is, is what you're doing for yourself. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, it is absolutely. I'm so excited to do this with you, mm. Orla. You know, and I, I know you're coming on my retreats as well in 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 May and July to to give people that in person feeling of 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 slowing down of, of being. What you do is is incredible. It is incredible, and um, I'm really excited to see how you evolve and, and what you create and, and what you bring because you have so many ideas you've had so many conversations and and I know <laughs> you have you do have you genuinely want to help people yeah. um like I do and and I love it you know when you meet somebody like-minded in life it's yeah. it's fantastic so yeah. thank you thank you so much Orla again I will pop your details in the the show notes so people can can have a look but the probably best place is your Facebook group right um beyond yeah. bereavement into bravery yeah and I've also got um a website um uh, so it could be easier just to remember my name and that's orlablackburn.com 
Um, and from there, there you can find Beyond Bereavement and Bravery. Uh, you can find my Facebook and my Instagram, which are under Oh Yoga XO. So I've got all different names, which doesn't help. But uh, yeah, that's just showing how my journey evolved, starting from yoga teacher to grief yoga teacher to all, all, all the way it's all kind of evolved and, and moved um, with time. But yeah, yeah. And um, yeah. There's, there's plenty on there. I'm about to post uh, a few um, workshops uh, that I've done in the past. Um, and yeah, I'm putting them on there for really low cost. Um, and you can buy bundles and it's so worth your money. But th- you can get 10 sessions of Yoga Nidra on there, the guided meditation. Um, and, and you can get more movement yoga. You can get slower yoga. You can get yin yoga. So there's quite a lot there to choose from and and that's where i will also post events um uh, you know if if there's any space left over in in that um retreat uh, yes. or well it's 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 well it's a retreat for the parents like yoga and meditation for the parents and activities for the children but you can swap and change you can decide whatever you want to do but yeah i'll put that up there if there are any spaces left Brilliant. And thank yeah. you thank you so much Orla it's been so lovely talking to you and you <laughs> and we look forward to seeing much more of you thank you <laughs> thank you Karen thank you so much for listening to the Widow podcast with me Karen Sutton if you would like to be part of a supportive community of people who understand your grief come and join my free Facebook group Widowed and Rising And make sure you tune in to the next episode of The Widow Podcast.